Like the folks you meet on, like to plant my feet on the Brooklyn Bridge. What a lovely view from heaven looks at you from the Brooklyn Bridge. Welcome to Rapidly Rotating Records, an hour of toe-tapping music from rapidly rotating 78 RPM records of the 1920s and 30s, with yours truly, Glenn Robison, on Island Radio, KISL Avalon, at 88.7 on your FM dial, and at KISLAvalon.com on your internet dial. We've got dance bands, hot bands, sweet bands, show tunes, novelty tunes, blues, jazz, and more on everything from Aeolian to Xenophone, and by everyone from Aronson to Zerky. On this evening's show, among other things, we'll celebrate the birthdays of Leonard Joy and Geraldo. One of these weeks, I'm going to produce a show which contains nothing I need to correct or clarify. Last week's isn't one of them. In the tribute to George Graff in the final segment, I told you I played For the Sake of Old Lang Syne, sung by Louis James. Well, no, I didn't. I did play When the Sands of the Desert Grow Cold by Wayne King and his orchestra. George Graff is credited on the label of that record, which is why it was pulled out to play. But before I recorded the show, I checked, and Graff wrote only the lyrics for the song, and that recording is an instrumental. Putting the show together, I thought I had replaced it with For the Sake of Old Lang Syne, but obviously I didn't. Fortunately, Louis James was able to come back again this week, and here he is to sing For the Sake of Auld Lang Syne. Sake 
memories no longer thrill you, and your heart has forgotten all. Then because I care, give me just one share of happiness I can William Robin, Edwin Dale, and Jones and Hare also sang it on record. But there you have tenor Louis James and his August 28, 1922 recording of For the Sake of Old Lang Syne on Victor 18944. Really? No, really? Ernest R. Ball wrote the music, Rosario Bordone conducted the orchestra, and Anna Lou Burns co-wrote the lyrics. We're safely back from Vermont, where we had gone to take our friend Ernie's ashes back to his family in Dorset. That part of the trip was, of course, a very emotional experience for them and us, but it was very nice to meet the family in person, not to mention everything else we were able to pack in during the week. For the past 47 years, the apotheosis of the Gilbert family reunion has been the bean hole and not the bean pot, as I called it in last week's segment about beans. I described the event accurately, but it's the bean hole, and not the bean pot. I profusely apologized to the 77 relatives who were able to attend this year's festivities, and they were very gracious about it. It was quite something watching the fiery tower of coals fall into the hole where the pot of beans was placed and covered to bake overnight. And, of course, they were the best beans ever. So, to commemorate the 47th annual Gilbert Family Bean Hole, here's a set of rapidly rotating records about holes. Are you ready, kittens? Yeah! Let's go! Thank you. 
I played for years, but I've never made a score. For dubbing, I'm the goop that wears the crown. I practice swings and form and things and follow the rules galore. But I am never up, I'm always down. On the links, I am a jinx. And everybody thinks I should quit the game and play dear old croquet. But they don't know my scheme, though I never drive a green. There's one hole I get birdie every day. Oh, how I love the 19th hole when the 18th hole is over. I open up the locker and the boys sit around. First we have four up, then we have four down. Oh, I may miss a putt with my putter or slice the ball way over in the lawn. But when I play the 19th hole, oh boy, tell the world I'm strong. mighty swing and I feel I'm just a thing. In my knickers they all say I look immense. But when I baby root the pill, my caddy gets a chill as he sees it do a nose dive or the fan. I am nearly off my nuts for I foozle every putt and my poor nerves rattle like a Henry car. But when I finish up the round, in my heart sweet dreams abound, for I know I'll make the 19th hole in par. Oh, how I love the 19th hole when the 18th hole is over. I open up the locker and the boys sit around. First we have four up, then we have four down. Oh, I may miss a putt with my putter, or a slice of all the way over in the long. But when I play the 19th hole, oh boys, tell the world I'm strong. with my magic or hook a ball way over in the lake but when i play the 19th hole oh boy tell the world i'm Fancy ties and collars 
But where they get their dollars, why they all have that old ace down in the hole. Some of them write to the old folks for coin. That is their ace in the hole. While others have gals on the old tender loin, and that. Is their ace in the hole? They tell you of money that they've never spent, and then they will flash a big bank roll. But their names would be mud. Like a chump playing stud, if they lost that old ace in the. We started and ended that set of holes with two different tunes, both titled "Ace in the Hole." The first was written by Louis Panico and Elmer Schobel, and was played by Al Katz and his kittens. Although, according to the Victor Ledgers, Al wasn't present at the May 3, 1926 session, but the 12-piece band was directed by Edward T. King. That was issued on Victor 20081. The other race in the hole was written by Joe Dokes and sung by J.C. Flippen on August 9, 1928, issued on Brunswick 4051. In between was Frank Crummett singing about where you go after finishing 18 holes of golf, the 19th hole. Subtitled Oh How I Love the 19th Hole When the 18th Hole is Over, it was composed by Percy Wenrich with the words by Frank McIntyre. Columbia A3666 was recorded July 8, 1922. I'm Glenn Robison, and you and I are listening to Rapidly Rotating Records, bringing you vintage music to which you can't not tap your toes from rapidly rotating 78 RPM records of the 1920s and 30s. Last week, August 12th, marked the birth in 1894 in Claremont, New Hampshire, of Leonard Wakefield Joy to Frank Elmore Joy, and Ida B. McCoy. Joy attended Dartmouth College, class of 1916, where he was known as Bones. He was a member of the Phi Sigma Kappa fraternity and led the mandolin club, although he reportedly played every instrument in the orchestra. At the time he married Catherine Fessenden in Manhattan on April 17, 1920, he was working as a steel salesman. He was hired by the Victor Talking Machine Company in 1926 as assistant to then-musical director Nat Shilkrit, and along with Rosario Bordone, supervised and directed recording sessions at Victor's New York studios. Leonard Joy was a busy man if his 3,652 entries in the discography of American historical recordings are any indication. 
He was promoted to manager of artists and repertoire in 1939 and worked at Victor until 1942. He died November 21, 1961, in New York City, where at the time he worked as musical director for DECA. Here are three from Leonard Joy.
when there's prairie clover, I'll still belong to you. Far above the plains, when the moon is new, when it's on the wane, I'll still belong to you. Winds may blow as though they know what I've told you. Yet the more they blow, the closer I'll hold you. Though the world may take me from our world for two, though you may forsake me, I'll still belong to you.
Leonard Joy composed at least one tune when Pa was courting Ma. It was recorded by several groups in the late 30s, including the Hoosier Hotshots, Kay Kaiser, Dick Todd, and Al Donahue, and the King's Singers even recorded it in the late 70s. I'd like to hear their version, and I may have that LP in storage. Anyway, we heard Stuff Smith and his Onyx Club boys with their December 1939 version on the Varsity label. The vocalist was Stuff Smith himself. Leonard Joy led at least one orchestra under his own name, Leonard Joy's All String Orchestra, and before Stuff Smith we heard their November 3, 1930 recording with Chester Gaylord taking the vocal, and Milton Rettenberg and Jack Shilkret on pianos. Yes, two of them. I'll Still Belong to You was written by Edward Ellescue and Nacio Herb Brown, and is from the Florence Ziegfeld and Samuel Goldwyn picture, Whoopi! Leonard Joy was probably most closely identified with the Hi-Hatters, and we started with their May 1st, 1930 recording of The Mug Song, written by Clarence Gaskill. The vocal quartet on Victor 22424 consisted of tenors Charles Harrison and Lambert Murphy, baritone Walter Preston, and bass Frank Croxton. Last week, August 10th, marked the birth in 1904 in London, England, of Gerald Walken Bright into a working-class immigrant Jewish family engaged in the rags trade. He was a child prodigy and, along with twin brother Sid, received formal musical training at the Royal Academy of Music. He began his career playing piano at a movie theater and organ at a restaurant. At age 16, Jerry left home and sailed to New York City and back aboard HMS Cameronia as a member of the ship's orchestra, and after playing with a number of small bands in the early 1920s, in 1925 he formed his own five-piece group called Jerry Bright's Celebrity Orchestra, resident at the Hotel Majestic in St. Anne's-on-the-Sea. After touring Latin America, in 1930 he joined in the tango craze changed his identity to simply Geraldo, and made his debut at the Savoy Hotel in London as Geraldo's Gaucho Tango Orchestra, complete with greasy mustaches, slicked-down hair, and extravagant outfits. He quickly became known as the Tango King of England, but as interest in the tango waned, in 1934 he was leading Geraldo and his sweet music. He was heard regularly on radio and became the BBC's director of dance music. During World War II, Geraldo was supervisor at the Bands Division of the Entertainment's National Service Association and took his orchestra to the Middle East, Africa, and Europe, entertaining troops. After the war, he managed a pit orchestra for a chain of theaters and dance bands that played aboard Cunard Ocean Liners. During the 1950s, Geraldo served as musical director for Scottish TV. The band broke up in the early 60s, and Geraldo then became a theatrical booking agent and record producer. He died on May 4, 1974, in Switzerland, while on vacation. Here are three from Geraldo and his orchestra. Thank you. 
to the music shop and see what's selling today. Come and find a tune that's popular that everybody wants to play all day. Let's all go to the music shop and find a song that's the rage. Something absolutely topical from gramophone and wireless screen or stage. Something sweet, something with a beat that makes you want to dance. Something blue, something that will do for those who want romance. Let's all go to the music shop for something merry and gay. Everybody's singing the song that's top at the music shop today.
but after thinking it over and over, I got what was coming to me. Just like the sting of a bee, you turn the tables on me. I mentioned that Geraldo was heard regularly on radio and had a number of programs, including Milestones of Melody, Dancing Through, Romance in Rhythm, Bandbox, and The Music Shop, which was the title of the record which started off the set. 
Cyril Grantham was the vocalist on DECA F-6401, recorded April 21, 1937. The Music Shop was written by Davey Burnaby and Max Kester. We finished with the flip side of that record, Mardi Gras, the fourth movement of Ferdy Groffet's Mississippi Suite, depicting scenes along a journey down the Mississippi River from its headwaters to New Orleans. In between was You Turned the Tables on Me, written by Sidney Mitchell and Louis Alter. That was recorded October 28, 1936, and issued on DECA F-6165. I'm Glenn Robison, and the show is Rapidly Rotating Records. We're here each and every Sunday evening at 6 on Island Radio, FM 88.7, KISL Avalon, and KISLAvalon.com. This and all our previous shows are also available 24-7, on demand, anytime at all, online at RapidlyRotatingRecords.com. I mentioned last week that we spent several days in Manhattan on either side of our trip to Vermont. The day after we arrived, we had a lovely dim-sum lunch at the Golden Unicorn Restaurant in Chinatown, after which we were on our own to explore the area. One of the items on my to-do list while in New York was to walk across the Brooklyn Bridge. We managed to walk from the restaurant to the bridge, but when Rita saw the stairs leading up to the promenade from the street... She had had it and gave up. I wasn't in much better shape, but was more determined. When it was completed in 1883, the Brooklyn Bridge was the longest suspension bridge in the world at just over 1.1 miles. I didn't make the entire round trip, but I got out far enough on the promenade to legitimately say I have walked on the Brooklyn Bridge. So for this segment, here's a set of rapidly rotating records not about bridges, but about this bridge's namesake. Brooklyn.
started this Brooklyn set with the Troubadours and Born and Bred in Brooklyn from Victor 19091, recorded June 1st, 1923. The alternate title is Over the Bridge, and Born and Bred in Brooklyn was written by George M. Cohan. It's from the two-act musical The Rise of Rosie O'Reilly, which opened at the Liberty Theater on December 23rd, 1923, and ran until March 15th. You had only 87 chances to catch it. That was followed by the Brooklyn Polka, written by Wally G. Giro, G-E-R-O, and P.D. Vick, V-I-C-H, and performed by the A. Jezevito Radio Orchestra of Lithuania. It may have been a Lithuanian orchestra, but it was issued on the Continental label of New York, catalog number C-507. We finished up with the Joe Lazar's Orchestra and a Girl from Brooklyn. Joe Lazarz, L-A-Z-A-R-Z, was born in 1896 in Poland and studied violin as a child. In 1913, he came to the U.S. and started working at the Indian Motorcycle Company, where he stayed for 28 years. He played with small bands on weekends, but eventually formed his own polka band, which played all over the East Coast. The band made about 80 sides for Victor, then switched to the standard label, where they made another 35 sides on the label's international series. 
We heard Standard International F-3010 from 1946. The vocal, sung in Polish, was by Clara and Nell Zamachai, who were Joe's nieces. The Joe Lazar's orchestra played for 41 years, and Joe was inducted into the International Polka Association in 1977. A couple of weeks ago, we took a musical trip to Belgium, courtesy of Harlequin's Jazz and Hot Dance series. Tonight, from Volume 22, we're going to take a quick trip to Stockholm, Sweden. Thank you. 
Arne Hulfer's orchestra with West End, composed by Thor Erling, trumpeter in the band. Arne Hulfer's played piano, and Heinz von Volte conducted the band. That was recorded in Stockholm, Sweden on April 24, 1936, and issued on Odeon D-2795. The Nissa Linz Swing Band started off the set with Step Jerker, written by Nissa Linz, accordionist in the band, and clarinetist Sam Jacobson. That was recorded in Stockholm around January of 1936 and issued on the Swedish Crystal label, number 1638. I'm Glenn Robison, and I'm very pleased that you've chosen to spend this past hour with me listening to Rapidly Rotating Records. I hope you'll click in or tune in again next week, and as always, I thank you for your very kind attention. (laughs) 